0: To get funky like a monkey. <laughs> I can't even fucking do it. Tyler, that's when you're supposed to come. Oh, and do your show I was,
1: I Rose. didn't know if that was a, a fake or a genuine. <laughs> no,
2: that's as genuine as he gets. Oh, okay. That, All right. That All right. is, that is, that right there is as genuine Dusty Rhodes as it gets. Now, I cannot do sexual Dusty Rhodes this entire episode. So I'm going to need you guys to kind of up your game on the Dusty Rhodes impersonation. Nick mm-hmm. gave his best effort right there. And Tyler, <laughs> that was your cue. To come up and do your Dusty I, Rhodes. I
1: heard the, the giggling, and I was like, oh, obviously he wants to take it from the top.
2: No, that was it. That was the top and the end. That okay, was the right. top and the end. Give it. Give me your Dusty roads. Come on. Come on.
1: Oh, Daddy, what you want to do talking about a Dusty Rhodes impression? You're going to tell me. You think you know how to do a Dusty Rhodes impression better than me, Daddy? No, sir. I know what hard times are, and I know what bad Dusty Rhodes impressions are, Daddy, and I've seen them all. There's no way you can do a good, bad Dusty Rhodes impression is better than me, Daddy.
2: I loved your hand motions. Nobody can see this is an audio format. You were doing an Italian guy uh, mob thing. I'm feeling the bad I, times, I, Daddy. Oh, and I love the little hand thing. There's a very Jewish mother-ish you got in there, too. You're doing all the ethnicities and then doing Dusty Rhodes' voice, which would make you the American dream. Yes, I, I agree. But nobody will top baby a sexual Dusty Rhodes, baby, because one sexual Dusty Rhodes comes into this podcast by lifting up the covers baby the satin seats if you will throw them back look upon you and then display before you the american dream tizzles and gannet tizzles and gannet baby gannet knocked away by the famous sculptor Michelangelo. and i ain't talking no ninja turtle baby oh no oh baby i am talking about a man who is Held upon high and seen as an athlete looking down at a beautiful, pretty woman, as beautiful as Fair Faucet. A woman called Timber Pod. And then as right, sexual dusty robes that's going to get in the bed and pull those covers back over, baby. Sentences Come clash and down on this gorgeous, beautiful display of a podcast and displayed before you. And says so soft, so sweet, with pretty blue eyes. Looking right at you with the camera or the microphone or whatever your recording device is, and said to you so sweetly, so softly, ask you a question. What is your birthstone? And I say to you, Sapphire is
1: mine. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Daddy. (laughs)
2: And you can start clapping any time, guys, That ain't gonna get <laughs> was any good fucking that was very good. better than that, ladies and gentlemen. I actually thought
1: about getting up and starting to gyrate to show you that I was really feeling the Dusty Roads energy.
0: Welcome to Timbo Pod. I'm Nick Alexander, joined by Mr. Galaxy Con himself, Tyler Wood.
1: Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Thank you.
2: You're Mr. GalaxyCon? Oh, you do two of them and you're Mr. Con. I've done... I've been with, Dude, I've been with no, them since I've they were SuperCon. Okay, fine. All right, you're Mr. GalaxyCon <laughs> now. Excuse me, because i not at one of them because they don't have the wrestling there? Fine, got it, <laughs> no problem. I'll see you in fucking Raleigh, asshole. Are you booked for that? <laughs> yeah, if there's wrestling there, I'm there. Okay, I think they, it's supposed to be who, back. Who do you think they're going to have, like, almost die in a Deadpool outfit for lack of oxygen? like
1: <laughs> Wheeler Yuta? <laughs> he's everywhere man it was an
2: honest guess. he's no Deadpool Deadpool doesn't know chain wrestling I'm just gonna let you know that right now you you think Ryan Reynolds is gonna do a fucking stat mare into a fucking chin lock reversal (laughs) to hammer lock and then go back around and do something fancy with a bridge no it's not going to
0: and that voice full of rage is none other than the son of a farmer's daddy the men scout jigmatic
2: oh I should I should start doing that but I, I think I can now. now. Now that we're not coworkers anymore, I think I'm allowed to. I think everything's back on the table. Like, uh, this would be a different podcast. I would not. You guys would be like, "Hey, Jake, are you ever going to do your Dusty Rhodes impersonation?" I'm like, mm, about that. Uh, executive <laughs> vice president Cody Rhodes does not want me to do that anymore. So, thankfully, uh, the the Dusty Rhodes impersonation is back on. Are you the not table. scared of Dustin? Oh no, me and Dustin are super cool. Nah, they're, 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 like like me and Dustin are super cool. We we somehow dustin gets to the building same time i do and i get there super fucking early i don't know why he's there. as early as i am i have no fucking idea but he always is i mean i know he runs like some of the training classes with some of the females but he's he's like there ridiculously early like i've seen him be there sometimes he's there before i am and i get there at like 9 10 in the morning
1: so you telling me he's on time, steady? on right. times
0: <laughs> <laughs> i got i got what you're putting down
2: Okay, back to the introduction. Like, <laughs> we're literally like, like we're taking it for like. Go ahead and say Tyler Wood. Guy who does comedian. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Oh, you already did introduction. Yeah, Mr. GalaxyCon, Yeah. I'm sorry. That's right. You, you yeah. had such a you had such a shitty intro, and, and deservedly so. Deservedly so. I forgot it even happened. Perfect. Great. Fantastic.
0: Right. Today we're talking about a very talented dancer. The first woman to ref in Missouri, Sapphire, baby. So this was a tough cover because Sapphire lived, worked, and died before shoot interviews and podcasts. She wasn't in a major spotlight so long that she has this mountain of content on her. So anything that's not straight up in a WWE pay-per-view is at best secondhand from someone like Pritchard or is from a friend that posted online, which could just be a troll. So uh, we'll, we'll do our best to give you the story of Sapphire.
2: And now to an Ampersands. We'll, we'll get the story of <laughs> Ampersands next week. Right, what are some other birthstones, guys? What are some other birthstones? We'll get those stories later on this week.
0: They clearly weren't thinking about uh, Google SEO optimization back when they chose Sapphire for uh, her name. Because if you Google Sapphire, it's not even the top thousand.
2: It's probably another reason why it's tough to find out stuff about her is you're going to just run into like birthstones and... Like Nick, for whatever reason, the middle of this episode, in the middle of this outline, he's just got all this, all the sales for K Jewelers for this month. <laughs> I don't know why that's in your outline, Nick. When you, when we're talking about sapphire, we're talking about sweet sapphire, not K Jewelers sapphire.
0: Juanita Wright was born October twenty fourth, nineteen thirty eight, in St. Louis, Missouri. Wikipedia and some other sources say nineteen thirty four, but her literal tombstone says thirty eight.
2: There's a generation of people in this America where they're like, the, their birthday, the, the date they were born, they're just willy-nilly like, it might have been 34, but I think it, it could be 36. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm here. Like, there's a whole generation of people that are just like, the most important day in my life, fuck it. We've now fast forward. To 2022, and we have women going, It's my birthday month. It's my birthday month. It's my birthday month. It's my birthday month. Where there is a whole generation of people like, Ah, fuck, I'm here. I don't give a shit when it happened. I don't even care if it's on legal documents or not. Who gives a shit? Don't even give a fuck about what it says about like general records on your driver's license or anything like that. Like, it may be this year. It may not be this year where there's many discrepancies. I just, it's a completely different mentality.
0: I just googled the birthstone for October, and it is in fact opal, not not sapphire. Okay,
2: all right. <laughs> mine is blue. That is all I know. Yeah, I don't know what had, mine is either. <laughs> I uh, I think it is it is definitely blue. I think it's aquamarine or something. Like that. I I could be just thinking of a bottled water brand for all I know. Because my my mom, we got her a gift where we got the birthstone of all three of her kids in like a ring i think i think yeah that's what we did we put we put all three of our birthstones in her wedding ring so she had the diamond that she got from my for marrying my father and then the birthstones of her kids so it's like her entire life encapsulated in ring form
0: all right and welcome back to qvc where we're talking about birthstones
2: well, I am this generation's Don West. If you want to tell about Gen Mint 10, kids, I'm in the trading card market now. And I may or may not still have a trading card show on, on my streaming Twitch channel, which, yes, I have a Twitch account now. I don't know how much I'll use it, but I figure everybody else in my current, current job has a Twitch stream, so let's see if I can get some of that sweet Twitch money.
0: Well, Juanita was a huge wrestling fan, and she started dipping her toe into the business by picking up wrestlers from the airport. This is in Missouri, so it's either outlaw mud show bullshit or NWA St. Louis, where she'd be picking up some very high-profile wrestlers.
2: I mean, that's super cool, and that's one way to break in. I'll tell you, as, as somebody who's planned wrestling events and air travels involved, you have the same discussion that you would for like setting up a ring. Like, there's almost more discussion of, like, hey, who's going to pick so-and-so up at the airport and tell them they have time to go by the hotel or tell them we got enough time to eat or do this with them. Like, there's more instructions given sometime for picking somebody up at the airport than setting up a wrestling ring in a venue. So, if somebody, like, raises their hand and be like, I want this to be my job and I just kind of want to interact with these wrestlers and pick them up from the airport, that person is a fucking saint. And if they're good at it and the wrestlers are not annoyed by that, well, fuck, you have a gold mine, friend. And I assume Juanita did a good job of it, considering she had legs as a performer later in her career. So obviously, she did a fantastic job. And yeah, it could be the St. Louis Wrestling Club that's imploring her to go pick people up at the airport. And of course, TWA being a big hub there in St. Louis, you know, people flying in and out all the time. This woman might have picked up Bruiser Brody from the fucking airport and drove him to the chase so he can cut a monstrous fucking promo on David Von Erich, for all we know. Or he picked up a disheveled Von Erich boy and got him in a vehicle to get him to go wrestle Harley Race. Just the wide variety of people that she would she would have met, which I'm not allowed to share this story, but I'm going Do to Do you want anyways. us to cut it? No, fucking we're leaving it in okay? because he says it all the time. This is a story that Terry Funk talked about because we're talking about we're actually talking about St. Louis and air travel. So I'll bring it up. I tried to get him to say this on camera, but he wouldn't. But he doesn't realize that the statute of limitations is over on this one. So it's fine. And it's, it's a charming story about Terry Funk. So back in the day of like air travel, it was all fucking different. It was just ticketing and flights and all that was different. What Terry Funk said he would do because, you know, wrestlers weren't making much. Like, you think of, like, Terry Funk, he's always been, like, a main event guy and he's always made money. Well, there was a time where Terry Funk was trying to live that carny lifestyle just to make ends meet as a wrestler. Like, he wasn't ridiculously rich from wrestling the Sheik and Abdullah in Japan. There was a time where he was getting $20 paydays and driving 500 miles one way. And there was a time he was supposed to wrestle in St. Louis, and he's got to get from Amarillo to St. Louis. Now, there's no direct uh, Amarillo to St. Louis. There are connections in Dallas or Oklahoma City or wherever, and there might be a couple connections. Well, a lot of times with these flights, they'll get you, like, you'll be on the same plane, and you have the option to get off or stay on. Like I said, air travel's different, where it's like, hey, this particular flight, it's like a bus stop. (laughs) This plane will end up in St. Louis. Eventually, and you just stay on if you're going to St. Louis, or you can get off, get something to eat, and then come back on. However, you want to do it. I guess that's how planes used to work back when Terry Funk was traveling, and he wanted to get to St. Louis because the chase is a big deal, and he doesn't have the money to get there. But much like a train, <laughs> they would check your ticket. But Terry Funk got the idea, like, hey, if I just sit on this plane and I pretend like I'm asleep, and act like I'm supposed to be there, nobody will want to wake me up and check my ticket. And they'll just let me keep going all the way to St. Louis. So he would pay for a flight to Amarillo to Oklahoma City, pretend like he was asleep every time they stopped. Then they would fly on to the next town. He would do it again and then fly on to St. Louis. And he'd get to St. Louis for the price of what it would cost for him to fly to Oklahoma City. So don't pretend like nobody's above doing the most carniest thing in the entire world. Terry Funk's like I scammed the airlines out of thousands of dollars <laughs> doing this. Back when plane flights were probably like fifty bucks or yeah. whatever they were.
1: Not the worst wrestling related plane story I've heard.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. The, the, there will be no dark side of the ring of Terry Funk's airplane habits, I'll tell you that
0: much. That's like season 30 when they <laughs> they're just out of <laughs> fucking ideas. So
2: I just told him I was asleep. <laughs> this goddamn motherfucker i just i just lie there and pretend like i was asleep i'd cross my arms and everything like i was laying there like the goddamn undertaker i love that I that's lied. how he
1: thinks people sleep <laughs> 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 they cross their sleep, arms like, Just
2: say, goddamn cross my arms just go to sleep and then, of course as soon as i walk away i peek my eye open and as soon as they're going fuck it taking off here we go we're going to st louis
0: all right fuck where are we <laughs> Juanita would eventually get her wrestling referees license and start refing matches. The first woman in Missouri to do so, so that's pretty neat. So Jake, I have a question.
1: Can you break down? She needed a wrestling referees license, and I know so much of this depends from state to state. What goes into getting these? Is it just like getting any type of permit? You like give them twenty bucks, and they're like, "That right." Sometimes, yeah.
2: Sometimes it's just as easy as getting a fishing license in Missouri, though you know, to get a wrestling license, you have to have blood work, you have to have HIV, hepatitis, you have to have a full physical. And what's actually pretty cool, at least it was for a short period of time in Missouri, one of the commissioners was Cowboy Bob Orton. So there was a time when you got your wrestling license, there's old Cowboy Bob Orton's uh, signature right there at the bottom. But yeah, in Missouri, she probably, she might've had to do blood work and she might not have. She might've just had to just pay back in the day. And then finally they required everybody to get physicals and stuff like that or require a doctor to be in-house. Like Baltimore, they require a doctor to be there and give everybody a physical before they go out. South Carolina, you're required to get a physical beforehand and then you license the rest of the year. Louisiana, you're required to do blood work every six months um, and you have to have a doctor on staff. It all varies from state to state, but in Missouri, there's probably some sort of athletic commission Almost, too. Like, I think St. Louis, they also had a lot of boxing events. It was kind of treated the same way, and wrestling probably wanted to be treated the same way as boxing because if it wasn't, then people might think it's fake in entertainment and not believe it's real. So wrestling was probably like, oh, no, please regulate us like boxing because we're just like them. It's legitimate fights. Uh, We need a doctor here because somebody might get knocked unconscious because these guys are really hitting each other,
1: guys. There was a time when I was a teenager that I thought, like, Oh, you know, to get a wrestling license, there's got to be like a test, like you, like a written test you have to take <laughs> to show your aptitude as a professional wrestler.
2: Actually, yeah, you, some some places, I think Kentucky, you had to write down who your trainer was. I don't think they would ever, like if I said my trainer was Scrappy Ken Steele, maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't give a fuck. And it's not like I don't think they're like, oh, we're definitely giving you a license because George South trained you. But you had to listen to where you're trained at.
1: How often were the commissioners going around and checking licenses at shows? Like, how often did that happen to shows you've been at?
2: Depends on the show. Okay. Depends on the state. Some states are stickier than others. Some, they're like, hey, just send us all the information ahead of time. Ah, we don't need to come out because you got everything. You're good to go. Have a good day. Other places, they'll be at every one of them. Other
0: places, they have to be at every one of them. At 42 years old, Juanita started wrestling. Getting started in the early 80s, and oh my god, I hope this is my midlife crisis. Oh, and and David
2: Marquez would definitely book you for NWA Hollywood. Yeah. Hello, this is uh, David Marquez uh, from CWF Hollywood. I am the longest running televised wrestling here in California. Uh, Nicholas, I believe you are a a comedian. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any television credits that I could possibly exploit? For my television program. I would love to put on a banner something along the lines of Nick Alexander seen on Laughs or uh, NBC. much, Very similar to a Bonkers uh, advertisement. <laughs> I would love very much, uh, Nicholas, if you could give me some credits that I could possibly use uh, for your fucking debut match.
1: I had no idea Dave Marquez was from Kazakhstan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hello? Hello?
1: yeah very very nice nicholas very nice put you on wrestling show yes don't steal my soul
2: gypsy wrestling man don't don't look me in the eye you will not steal my soul correct
0: Juanita would be the first woman in Missouri history to participate in a men's battle royal she and another opponent won when they were the last two people in the ring I don't that doesn't make sense she worked on the independence as Princess Dark Cloud and apparently once wrestled a bear. What else have you shamelessly stole from Sapphire, Jake?
2: Oh no, no, no. So here's the <laughs> thing, my friend.
0: I am. And a lot of people know
2: this, because I don't post I never post it on social media because what happens at the World Bear Wrestling Championship, we don't talk about. We don't post that on social media. But now that I am currently, you know, retired from bear wrestling, I can then I can now tell people because I'm now retired. That's one of the one of the bylaws is if you retire from the World Bear Wrestling Championship, you're now allowed to talk about the World Bear Wrestling Championship. And since I've been dominating the sport for the last 10 years, like I can talk about it now. And like, I'm sure Sweet Sapphire was an amazing bear wrestler, but she didn't revolutionize the whole sport like I did. There are things that I have done in bear wrestling that, that people will emulate for the next several years. I mean, it's like when... Tom Landry came up with the flex defense. This is when the triangle offense came into play. What I have done in bear wrestling is revolutionize the game. And, you know, I've I've had my struggles. I've had my issues with it. But every year when it comes time for that bear wrestling championship, I I go out to the woods. And, you know, one year I had a reporter. He was supposed to do a documentary on it, but it fell through because of funding. And he filmed me walking into the woods. And then two weeks later, I came out with a trophy. Those wonderful documentarians, they were waiting outside and they saw me walk out with the World Bear Championship Wrestling Trophy. And I told them they couldn't film that because once again, we don't talk about the World Bear Wrestling Championship, but it's all part of prosperity. And hopefully someday when Eric Button is done working on my documentary, it'll be a large part of my documentary, entire, you know, 20 minutes will be dedicated to my World Bear Wrestling Championship accolades. So... With all due respect to Sweet Sapphire, I'm still the best world bear wrestling champion. And, Nick, I, as your friend, I expect a little bit more respect out of you <laughs> when you talk about bear wrestling. I apologize. So put, put a little more fucking respect on it. I did not sacrifice the last 10 years of my fucking life to Bear Wrestling Championship for you to just say it as a fucking joke. That's why my bookings have gotten sparser and sparser and sparser. I've tried to focus on being the most dominant bear wrestling champion of all time. Okay? Like I'm trying to be the Michael Jordan I'm trying to be what Michael Jordan was trying to be in basketball, but I didn't take two years off playing baseball, okay? <laughs> or to alligator wrestle. No. I stuck with what I was great with. Fortunately, my father wasn't killed because of gambling debts that I had either. Two, that's beside the point. Alright? So show a little respect.
1: Jacob, I, I have asked. a I have a question. Do you find it hard to be involved in the bear wrestling community when you yourself are an otter at best. <laughs> <laughs> an otter? <laughs> yes, an otter.
2: I am a fucking champion in my sport, okay? Okay, so you if you qualify one. as a you, bear, you, that's fine. I I am a fucking bear and a half, okay? Okay. I am a bear and a fucking half. An otter may be vicious, may just really go get down to what's necessary and just dig deep you know, settle in and just get knuckle deep on something. But I'm a goddamn bear. Okay? Okay. I apologize. I'll, 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 tear, I'll tear your ass up. I will tear your fucking ass up. Because I'm a fucking bear. <laughs> go on with the little podcast. Go on, that I'm a part of. Go on. Go on. But right.
0: 1989. Juanita was working her day job. She was wrestling and reffing on the weekends, just enjoying being part of the business any way she could. Little did she know her whole life was about to change. By May of 89, one of Juanita's favorite wrestlers, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, had made his way to the WWF where he was getting funky like a monkey, baby. Yeah, daddy. yeah, daddy. <laughs> WWF Creative wanted to pair Dusty with a valet, and since he was the common man, in their words, he needed a common woman. And that's when the very problematic Terry Garvin suggested Princess Dark Cloud, who would be brought to the WWF as Sweet Sapphire.
2: And this is something. OK, let's let's tread on this lightly enough. But let's let's do do make mention of it. I've heard Bruce Pritchard talk so much about how oh no, what they they weren't pulling a rib on Dusty. No, I mean putting him in polka dots. If anybody could get it over, it's him. And we we're just making him more relatable and fun. And like, did you see the action figure of him? Like, it, it stands out more. And no, we put him with Sapphire because he wanted to make the common man. Like, this isn't some sort of like shot at Dusty's ego. No, no, that's all bullshit. I swear to fuck. Like. Sapphire, fantastic woman. Goddamn fucking saint. But I feel like a little bit of that is there, like, because Dusty Rhodes has an ego about him. Like, Dusty Rhodes felt like he could walk up to Farrah Fawcett or Pam Anderson or whoever and be like, I could talk you into being with the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, baby. A sweet talk you. You'll you be begging, begging. With Dustin Rose I Show you my baby arm Fuck Ric Flair and his baby arm Fucking, it I'm packing We'll disgust you We'll make you run away In peer fear and terror And fright another man is nothing to do. Cause I am the American dream baby That's who Dusty is That's his ego That's like th- That's what Dusty thinks and believes He was an arrogant person And that's fine that arrogance is what made him as successful and a champion that he is.
1: I don't think it he did. would show that many people his baby arm uh, since, like, pleasures women a different way. He's working hard with his hands.
2: But this is just very true. I mean, he's the son of a plumber, and he was a very handy man as well, too. So <laughs> I'm gonna plunge that, baby. I'm gonna plunge your never reasons. Yeah, that. All, all of the, it's all blanked up right now, and so is the dusty rose. I'm all backed up, baby. But then what? <laughs> All the pipes have been flowing, just ride, baby.
1: Do you think he fucks to the tune of a cowbell just being hit over and over again?
2: the <laughs> Cum, I mean, that's definitely the way he fucks. I'm a a common man. man. He's a common man. Like that rhythm. Like yes. I mean, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll give it a shot with my girlfriend. Like, (laughs) I mean, I'll tag it from behind and be like, I'm just a common man.
1: Well, you gotta have uh, each, like each one of you has to have the cowbell ropes on your wrist.
2: He's the American dream. But, no, like, that's the thing, too. Like, Juanita, she's a sweet, sweet, sweet person. But I'm sure they wanted to be like, oh, this is the best Dusty Rhodes can do, which makes me feel sad for Juanita because she's a fucking saint. But I always felt like she was kind of used as a pawn that way. So that sucks. I don't fucking like that. I don't appreciate that. Because Juanita should be exalted and held upon high for dealing with fucking wrestlers who were jet lagged like, <laughs> for true. years. She's a goddamn fucking saint, and for her to be a pawn in the fucking make fun of Dusty Rhodes' 1989 tour kind of sucks. I don't fucking like that. But I like the fact that she was on TV, so, like, I'm sure she wanted a spot like this. That, I mean, that's cool and all. But I mean, everything they did to Dusty was to fucking humiliate him. And it didn't work. I mean, to an extent. I mean, I never looked at him like a fucking star. When, as a child, I was like... What the fuck this guy was doing with polka dots? But as I got older and started to like look at Dusty Rhodes catalog, I'm like, man, this guy was fucking great. Like watch his Florida stuff. Whew. So good. As an older man, I really started to appreciate Dusty Rhodes more and more and more. And then even some of like his booking decisions, some stuff is like repeated in, in cycles over, over his career. But at the same time too, it's still, some of it's still good. Some of it's really good. Some of it holds up and some of it was like, yeah, it was repeated, but at the same time, too, when he did it, he was the first to come up with that. And that's pretty incredible and great. But he took a lot of shots at Vince. And you could say Vince doesn't think about that, but he does. I'm sure he fucking does. I'm sure he's a spiteful individual and, and like sticking it into people. And I felt like he did this with Dusty. So
1: that's really a shame because that's like a, Something that you don't see a lot in the world of professional wrestling like meet spiteful people with unhealthy coping mechanisms—to you know. yeah, you don't, yeah. you
2: really don't. It's, it's such a positive working environment. Like you really have to like step back and like, man, I am really glad that nobody holds grudges. Nobody like goes on podcasts and buries other people. I mean, the fact that the shooter interview industry was so poor through the the '90s and the 2000s because nobody would talk shit about anybody. <laughs> Like, I don't know how RF video stood to be in business as long as they did because of shoot interviews because everybody was just so happy and complimentary of everybody's work and how they dealt with each other. So, really surprised.
0: So, the name Sapphire is controversial. It was a stereotype dating back to the uh, 1800s used to describe a loud, angry, sassy black woman, a stereotype used by Hollywood for decades. There's a chance WWF was ignorant to this, but people like Bad News Brown brought it up, but it was the WWF in the 80s. If you brought up that something was racist, they'd go, oh my God, thank you for noticing. I caught a clip
1: from the uh, Bad News Brown shoot interview, and he brought it up, and he's like, you know, this the Sapphire name's not okay, and I think he was talking to Vince directly. He's like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea. We'll We'll change that right away. And they changed it to Sweet Sapphire. He's like, "That's better, right?"
2: <laughs> but that's the thing. I, th- I think Vince is a little blind, and then somebody's like, "Hey, that's kind of racist." Oh, it is. Oh, we need to change that. Well, these Samoans are got the savages. They got hard. <laughs> they got harder heads. Like,
1: <laughs> are you telling like me just, we shouldn't put those Mexicans on some lawnmowers and call them the Mexicools?
2: They're okay with being on lawnmowers, right? Not understanding the power dynamic of, like, they're their boss. He's telling them to be on lawnmowers, and they kind of have to say yes because they recognize this at their job. But at the same time, too, they're like, hey, this is fucked up, I don't really care, but this is probably what I want to be doing with my career. Um, <laughs> like Not understanding that people will just say yes and do whatever. I mean, Bill Watts wanted to call Ahmed Johnson Buck. Mm. And Jim Ross was like, oh, we are not doing that. You know, there, there is a little bit of that. And then there's, like, keep in mind, when you have rich old white men running wrestling you don't get a different perspective than that and if they're if it's during a time when their language and their thoughts are not corrected they're gonna say the, the dumbest thing eventually and if you're not a mindful person to other people and people who are different to you then you're gonna say something fucking stupid so that's why you always should be mindful and empathetic and listen to people and listen to opinions that are different than yours and you'll come to find out like oh well this is right and I see why you think it's bad. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, I'm going to correct my language and never say that again. Okay, cool. You know, it's like when people become more aware with trans people and how you refer to trans people. Like, as people get taught and explained and told and meet somebody who is trans, all of a sudden, you change. But if you're a rich white billionaire and you make the fucking rules, you can act however the fuck you want.
0: So. Even though her name's not great, as far as representation goes, this is a roster with zero women of color. And from what I found, Sapphire is the first black woman to be employed by modern day WWF. Like from the time Vince took over, that's not something i ever see her get any love for, but I can't think of anyone else who would be before her. Can you?
2: Oh, I mean, other than if there was any like Female wrestlers, but that would have been brought in by mula That's the only thing I could think of. But for like
0: a one-off run or some house yeah, shows, but like, like a roster spot, like she has no, to be the first, like, right?
2: I mean, yeah, and that's the other thing too that you gotta, you gotta take in consideration all these things that we've talked bad about her being here, being a pawn, and the humiliation of Dusty Rhodes. The like, yes, we use this name that's not necessarily great, but like you said, first black female on the roster and put out on television on a weekly basis. It is a clumsy step, but it is a step forward nonetheless. So it, she, she should get more love for that. Yeah. And what her role is, like, played it up, man. Like, she gave her best.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, as shitty as this is, for, like, Dusty getting shit on and, and her being a, a pawn in that, they did this so well. Like, yeah. they really yeah. delivered it like they were like seeing dusty go out there there's not even a second where he, you can like even get the feeling that he's like oh man fuck this. this is just a paycheck he was going out there and giving it his all the entire time and she was too
0: yeah i honest to god love polka dot dusty that's where i first saw him and it is a very like warm place in my heart but yeah she has a uh, kind of a short run here let's let's uh get into it as far as her debut with the way they like pre-taped everything and cut it up for the different shows, kind of hard to nail down. But in real time, on a taping of Wrestling Challenge 11 in Wichita, Kansas, which I believe aired November 20th, 89, Dusty Rhodes was taken on Akeem. And Akeem's manager, Slick, began arguing with a Dusty Rhodes superfan in the front row, which led to Akeem coming down to see what was happening. And he got counted out, giving Dusty the win. Then on November 23rd, 89's pay per view Survivor Series, you see a super fan cheering on Dusty Rhodes, and she's uh, like right at the ring pole where Dusty is.
2: Well, I, I want to back up a little bit to him wrestling Akeem. <laughs> Deep conspiracy theory. I don't know if this is what it is. I, like, I'm not going to be Dave Meltzer. I'm like, oh, this is definitely what it was, or so this was why I did that. But Akeem, who's one man gang. You know, he is the African dream. There's a theory that he was doing a rip-off Dusty Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you because know, of the American dream, the African dream. And the fact that he was out there saying, oh, I'm the African dream, when he's clearly a fat white dude, was a knock on Dusty because one of the conspiracy theories about Dusty is he stole his whole, like, I'm Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, baby. He took that from Thunderbolt Patterson.
0: Yeah.
2: So like there's that whole cultural appropriation by Dusty, and then they're like, oh well, that's all you are, Dusty, and that's what we think you are. So there's that whole conspiracy theory. I, that seems very like tin deep state for pro wrestling, but I have heard that theory a couple of times, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know, if, I don't know if I buy that. But that is, it, it is weird. All of this is weird, just like this is, and poor. Poor wonderful one, Eater right is in the middle of this <laughs> this weird storm of things that are happening right now. And Akeem and Big Boss Man, are the Twin Towers, and the Twin Towers fall down, and then maybe you think Vince McMahon has something to do with it, because <laughs> so, because so, Titan Towers is so close to the World Trade Center, and then you start asking questions about Tower Seven and Tower Nine, and it's nuts. Don't even, don't even, don't even go down that YouTube rabbit
0: hole, folks. Then on some WWF TV that aired November 25th, 89, Dusty is facing Big Boss Man when Manager Slick again gets into it with Sapphire sitting at ringside. This distracts Boss Man who gets rolled up by Dusty. After Boss Man leaves, Dusty asks Sapphire to come into the ring and they do a little dancing. Now bonded over some in-ring grooving, Sapphire began managing Dusty Rhodes during his house show run against Boss Man. She'd be there anytime Dusty had a TV match against a job guy, and then things really picked up for Sapphire in 1990 when Dusty would start working house shows against the macho king Randy Savage and sensational Sherry. Sherry played a big role in helping train Sapphire. There are some stories of Sherry dishing out some tough love, as Sherry was very much of that generation.
2: Yeah, and she's, you know, the idea of, like, teaching you is, like, by forcing you, you know, instead of explaining. And some, be- some people just can't get it. Some people aren't just, you know, made for it. And just pounding it into you isn't going to work all the time. R- wrestling is an art form. You have, you have the gift or you don't. And you just can't just, like, force somebody to, to do it correctly. But, you know, back to the whole dancing in the ring. I mean, I'm sure on the house show loop, they brought kids in the ring and they dance with them, much like they would do with Junkyard Dog. And what, what a thing to say is you get to dance with Dusty Rhodes in the middle of the ring at a house show. I mean, that's what she's there for is to be Dusty Rhodes' hype, hype man, you know, like, and she did it great, you know, and now they're starting to... Get it going, which which is another reason why, like, you know, maybe I don't believe the conspiracy so much that they're trying to humble Dusty or break him down. He's going to feud with Macho Man, for Christ's sake. You don't you don't do that if you don't have faith in somebody. So, like, that's one thing I makes me not want to believe the conspiracy theory of the shitting on of Dusty Rhodes, that all this was done in good faith. But um, that's an evil, evil organization, and I, I, I'm well aware of what they're capable of
0: so at royal rumble 1990 we have a brother love segment first he brings out queen sherry and the two of them internet bully sapphire into the microphone sapphire comes down next and they continue going roast mode on her until sapphire slaps the fuck out of sherry that brings down macho which brings out dusty all hell breaks loose and they put this rivalry on screen then on primetime wrestling the ultimate challenge special during a match between Dusty and Macho Man, that was from March 7th, Sherry gets into the ring and jumps on Dusty's back, and uh, Sapphire gets in, grabs Sherry by her hair, they do some hair pulling, some throwing around, and this is the first time Sapphire is really getting like physical in a WWF ring. And this all leads to a match at WrestleMania 6, when Macho and Sherry took on Dusty and Sapphire in the first ever WWF mixed tag team match, as Gorilla Monsoon pointed out. In a pre-match interview, Dusty and Sapphire say they have the crown jewel, baby, who turns out to be Elizabeth. I was going to make a crown jewel thing. Never mind. We have a Saudi prince in Assad, <laughs> baby.
2: I have one of the Saudis right here. I know. I know, baby. We're just a few years away from Southern Slaughter saying he's in cahoots with that Saddam Hussein. But no, baby. The Saudis are good to us. The Saudis are great to us. The Saudis take care of me, baby. Soon my son will benefit from a Saudi. He will, I'm telling you, Saudis are good with me, baby. We have the true true crown jewel right here baby we have the crown jewel of them all baby it's a prince from the Saudi family come on out baby come on out here i know you all think of miss elizabeth no baby we got one of the Saudi princes that's gonna pay my son so much money to wrestle the undertaker who comes out of retirement for the fifth time for that Saudi money baby and it's so sweet it's so sweet that crown jewel it's green just like that money that I thought it prints is going to pay back, young boy Cody Rudder Woods. I cannot wait, baby. Is that the Crown Jewel joke you wanted to yeah, make? Yeah, that was good. That was- yeah, okay, was good. <laughs> oh, God. all right. I was making sure. I was making sure that's where I wanted to go. I kind of went off script a little bit. I mean, I know there's there's an ad for Kate Jewelers in here somewhere that we were supposed to do, but I, I, I felt like a Dusty Rhodes impersonation was apt.
0: from the wrestling, uh,
1: entertainment company that brought you Saudi blood money pay-per-views.
0: Cause Syrian Civil War Wrestling. We've cleared out the killing fields for a one-night pro wrestling extravaganza. You think doing business with a murderous totalitarian regime is extreme? We're gonna murder a journalist in our main event. Pussy. watches our entire roster sell out their morals to go to battle. Probably literally. You'll see a pilled up wrestler from the 90s beat up a child soldier. Watch Val Venus and Road Dog take on The deep state. Watch Goldberg refuse to put over a refugee. And Heath Slater takes on Jimmy Snooker. That's right, we've dug up Jimmy Snooker's bones to marionette them around the ring for a match because there's nothing we won't do for money.
1: I don't know. Sounds pretty violent.
0: Will there be blood? Of course not. We're PG, you sick, disgusting fu During the match, Sapphire gets tagged in pretty quick, and, you know, she's no hoovin' to Guerrera in there, but she's doing it. Sherry's, you know, a great worker, so she's, like, selling her ass off, and- Sapphire actually gets the pin in this match when uh, Sherry is swiping down at Elizabeth, who has come out to ringside. Uh, Liz pushes her schoolyard bully style over Sapphire on all fours, who then holds down Sherry for the three. Then Liz, Sapphire, and Dusty dance to arguably the greatest wrestling theme ever.
1: Did you mention Juventud Guerrero because I said the Mexicals?
0: No, I didn't. I was, I was already in here.
2: You don't understand. that Nick has wrote this script like a month yeah. ago. Like he's, he's, he's workshopped that joke at like LA Open Mics, M- much like somebody who hosts the Oscars. Like he has practiced this every one of these jokes. It's all out of context, so it's really weird. Luckily, he's huge and famous in Hollywood. And he's allowed to do that. But every one of these jokes Nick has written down, Tested. Spencer's hurt all of them, I'm sure.
0: so <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she's thrilled. <laughs> Following Mania, they take their mixed tag show on the road with Sherry and Sapphire breaking off for some one versus one matches. Um, Sherry would always get the win, heads up, while Dusty and Sapphire would always get the win in the tags. Then on the build to 1990 SummerSlam, someone started giving Sapphire gifts. She got some diamonds, a gold bracelet, a trip around the world, a mink coat, a Cadillac. And then at Season three, SummerSlam, if you use the dumbest fucking streaming service imaginable, Sapphire was set to take on Sherry, but she never makes her way out to the ring and loses by DQ. Later that night, Dusty has a match against Macho. And out comes the million dollar man Ted DiBiase revealing that he had indeed bought Sapphire off with those gifts and a big old bag of money. Now, is this an allegory from the WWF writers teaching us that if we give in to materialism and the desires of millionaires, we as a society stray away from the American dream itself?
1: Oh, you give them much too much credit, Nick.
0: What are you talking about, pal? We're making
1: poetry here. Yeah. What about this? What about if a rich white man buys a black woman, huh?
2: Yeah? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. And why are you doing my voice right back at me? Write this shit down! In the King's English, pal! You got it, pal. I fucking love that idea. That's fantastic. I love it when a white male buys other people. Because I'm Goddamn Vincent Man! Ah, such good shit.
0: Sapphire would begin appearing in promos with Ted, ironing his money, carrying around his wrestle buddy, (laughs) but uh, she would soon quietly fade away from the company. In a kayfabe WWF Magazine interview, Virgil said she left because Dibiase took all his gifts back. In a shoot, Sherry said that Sapphire was genuinely hurt by the on-screen breakup with Dusty. And I mean, if you work with someone, you travel with someone, you're already a massive fan, it probably sucks. You probably feel like you're losing your partner there.
2: Well, do, she might have been the one doing all the fucking driving because yeah, she was probably. driving people from the airport. And fucking Dusty's like, let me take a nap, baby. <laughs> it, it was long nap, baby. When Sapphire was up just as late as he was. Like, yeah, that kind of sucks. And here she is. I mean, I guarantee she was, like, telling her family, like, I'm on TV. And everybody's like, oh, there she is. She's dancing on TV with Dusty Rhodes. And, everybody, and like, probably her whole family's, like, proud of her. And then they're like, now you're going to turn on Dusty Rhodes. And be not liked, but we have no plans for you when you're a bad guy. Yeah. And like, God fucking bless her. I know we've said it three times already, but God bless fucking Winnie to write. (laughs) She could not act like, oh, I'm snobbish and I have money now. Like everyone in the vignettes where she had the money and the fur coat, like she's just sitting there smiling like, oh, this is what I do when I get nice gifts. I just, (laughs) she wasn't acting, she wasn't like acting like smug, like, oh, I'm rich now and you people are beneath me and "Oh, I have money now. She couldn't do that. She's like, gifts. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate it. Like, that's so kind of you. That's, you have such a warm and. And wonderful, vibrant soul. Thank you. Really made my day. That's how she acted when she was on <laughs> camera with these gifts. Like, she couldn't act nefarious if, like, her life depended on it or if Vince McMahon was screaming at her to look
0: nefarious. Yeah, she she seemed, like, too sweet of a person to be a hill. She didn't have that, like, uh, like cutthroat grizzledness. Yeah,
2: couldn't nail down what that was.
0: Pritchard also said that the business seemed to really, like, wear her out. All the traveling and making towns, God knows what she dealt with backstage and from fans. She just got burned out and decided to walk away. Sounds like a healthy
1: person. Yeah,
0: right? (laughs) She'd pop back up in Memphis and the USWA in 93 and 96, and there's some stuff floating around YouTube, but she seemed to mostly work with Miss Texas, a.k.a. Jacqueline.
2: Hell yeah. Another goddamn fucking (laughs) thing. Like, that's awesome. And that'd be cool. Sweet Sapphire and... Jackie. Like, that's pretty fucking cool.
0: And aside from that, you know, everything kind of goes quiet here. Seems like she had some kids. She worked her day job and there's just not that much out there. She basically went full-blown civilian on us. And then sadly, September 11th, 1996, Juanita passed away from a heart attack at the age of 61.
1: Sad that she didn't make it longer in life, but Kind of a good thing that she got in and out of the world of wrestling without a giant fucking laundry list of problems related to that specifically.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's just true.
2: Yeah, like I think I think it all just kinda like rolled off of her. Like whatever the bullshit was, it probably just sloughed past her. And also too, like I feel like if you're a wrestler, if you wanted to be a dick, I can't see the ultimate warrior being a dick to her. Mm. Like I-, I think even the ultimate warrior who is like the biggest of assholes. Would be like, ah, I can't be addicted to this woman. I, it's like I don't know if I have it capable in me, and if I do, people will stab me and murder me. They won't just be like, "Fuck this guy." they they might actually cause me physical harm because this woman is
0: so sweet. All right, let's do some final thoughts on Sweet Sapphire.
1: Obviously, I didn't, I wasn't watching this at the time, but over the years, seeing these clips of Dusty and and this time that he had. In the WWF, she was an important part of it, and I love the fact that she was able to work with somebody that she was a fan of. Like, hearing that she was having such a good time with it, like, she got to meet a hero, work with him, and it wasn't a disappointment for her. And so often, that's not the case. So hearing that she got to do something that she really enjoyed in the world of professional wrestling with somebody that she really admired, and then she was able to get out of it, without wrestling
0: eating away at her
1: soul. It's it's a nice nice change of pace. She seemed like a very nice lady.
0: Yeah, like everything I could find on her, it was just people gushing about like how cool and sweet she was. It's also super cool. I mean, just think of, about this as a wrestling fan. She got like plucked out of obscurity and put on the biggest stage in the world with all her heroes. Like that's just cool as shit. She worked with Dusty, with Macho Man, with Sherry, like that's that's pretty nuts. I thought she was good enough at what she has to do. I think she had like some like solid charisma to her. She was fun. She didn't take herself too seriously, you know, just dancing about in the ring. And again, not that much out there on her. If anyone has more details on Sapphire, I'd love to hear them. TimbellPod at gmail.com. But... I don't know. I would like to know more about her. This is an episode I wanted to do because she is part of wrestling history and obviously a big part of Dusty, who we may or may not be talking about very soon.
2: And yeah, she got to meet meet one of her favorite wrestlers, got to work with them. And like I said, you you could not like she's one of those people you can't can't be mean to. I like think it's it's just one of those remarkable people you rarely see that in pro wrestling, and she's one of those rare people. And Definitely deserves her own episode. I mean, her time was very short, but I'm glad we got to cover it. And hopefully, you know, somebody who's in our feed gets to know a little bit more about her or, you know, hadn't gotten too much thought about her. And maybe like this opens up a perspective of what you'd never thought of. Like, ah, oh, you know, she was in a bad situation or, ah, oh, this was a bad spot, but she made the most of it. Cause I remember seeing her and she, you know, it was fantastic and great, but also too, like, I just keep thinking about, I can imagine when she was on TV that when she talked to her family or years after her time in wrestling was over, she probably looked looked upon it and be like, hey, you see see that? I, I was on TV with Dusty with Rhodes and, and Macho Man. She gets to say that and she gets to tell people that and she gets to say that with pride. She started off as somebody taking people, picking people up from the airport. And you got to be in the ring with some of the biggest professional wrestlers of all time on. A WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series—the real tentpole pay-per-views at the peak of wrestling. Got in, you got some amazing memories, and you got the fuck out unscathed. That's pretty awesome. That makes this story that much more special, unique. God bless you for taking care of like wrestlers who are jet lagged and just need to hurry up and get to wherever they need to go. To you, you did more for anybody for wrestling just doing that but what you provided for people in front of the camera is well remembered nobody will ever say a bad thing about it and you're
0: fantastic
2: thank you so much we need a for everything you have done and
0: for being in our lives all right that is a uh, Sapphire Juanita Wright, and same old shit find us on patreon find us on social media Tim Bill pod you guys got anything
1: no nothing new my birthday's coming up in May
0: I uh just Nick
2: is doing the math to make sure that this is coming out by May. Because uh, we are trying to get ahead because I have a monstrous schedule. So a big, you know, big thank you to Nick. And that's why getting on Patreon, follow us on social media, tell a friend, tell a friend about 10 Bell Pod and what we got going on here. Like I said, it, the more successful we can make this, the more likelihood that it's going to stick around. But it really is up to you guys. Leave reviews. Reviews are so important. It pushes up the charts. I like talking about wrestling history. I like getting in these weird sidebars where I tell a story about Terry Funk that he's not willing or comfortable to say because he feels like charges are going to be brought up against him because of Pan, Pan Am Airlines. Like, I, I want to share all these things, and I like this outlet. I want to keep doing it. But we really need it to be get as many of you people in so we can keep it going because without you guys it just it's it's hard to do so thank you so much just tell a friend share share an episode with somebody and just continue to love pro wrestling
0: all right we will see you uh fucking next week
1: hey whoa whoa wait a minute this sounds like a ford f-150 commercial is it no no it's not it's a commercial for the tin bell pod patreon hey guys it's tyler here from tin bell pod just taking a moment to remind you guys that if you want to you can support us over on patreon as well we really appreciate you listening we hope you enjoy the rest of the show really need a ford f-150